if you, you know, think about how much productivity and efficiency could come from workers and employees who are more and more in their zone of brilliance for your company. Don't you want your people in their zones of brilliance for your company? Like that's the whole idea, right? right. They're happier. Oh, yeah. Your bottom line grows. There's so much value be besides that emotional joy. There's financial value to working in your zone of brilliance and having your staff do it too. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Well, hello everyone, this is James, and I have another amazing guest lined up for you today. Her name is Cindy Skalicki, and honestly, I can't wait for us to dive into a conversation. We're going to be talking about discovering what makes people exceptional, which is something I love to, to learn about and to discover with people and bringing what that, what that means to bring that out into the world, uh, to bring your brilliance into the world. But, but before we get to that, I do want to tell you about a live virtual training program that I have called Accelerate. And Accelerate is designed to give you the tools and training to improve communication, to boost engagement and build culture within your team and company. And in Accelerate, participants uh, will learn how to identify behavior styles, how to be a champion at giving and receiving feedback, how to create a culture of accountability. And this one's big, is how to break free of some of the leadership styles that lead to bottlenecks and busyness and stress. And so I like to say it this way. If you want operational excellence, you have to understand what makes people exceptional. And that starts by knowing how you're exceptional. But just don't miss this important part. The thing that makes you exceptional could be what most annoys or even frustrates someone else the most about you. you know, for example, things like your pace, the speed at which you make decisions or approach your work, even your tolerance for risks. Uh, this is what makes you, you, but again, that could be the thing that annoys and frustrates your coworkers about you. So being able to understand how people are exceptional helps you maximize productivity and boost your bottom line. So you can learn more about Accelerate um, at jamesmayhew.com or as always, call me directly at 319-929-2604. So Got that promo out of the way, Cindy. It's so awesome to have you. Uh, you know, I think this is going to line up so neat. And I have enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed our conversations about kind of what I said a minute ago about helping people understand what their gifts are, what they're passionate about, and how do they get into like what you call the zone of brilliance. So awesome. Like this is going to be so much fun. Uh, go ahead and tell us a little about, uh, a little about you and, and your journey, if you would. 
Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you, James, for having me. It's been so much fun to chat with you and get to know you and your zone of brilliance. Um, yes, my name is Cindy Skalicki, and I have a small business called On Point Communications. It's a it's a consultancy that I started about five and a half years ago, and it all relates to messaging, which is, I guess, what you might call. Uh, one of my zones of brilliance and the journey. Boy, what a question. I'd say that uh, from the beginning, I have always just had a, uh, a love of identifying great messaging and evaluating them on the spot to see whether or not they were effective or not. And what I mean by that is, you know, all through high school and college and beyond, when I'd watch like a state of the union or an Oscar acceptance speech or a graduation, um, you know, talk that's coming up uh, soon for, for a lot of schools. I just intuitively, I'm listening so closely to how they say what they're saying, what exactly they're saying. And if that message is really landing with the audience in the intended way. And so uh, I ended up studying rhetoric as my, you know, my college and postgraduate careers uh, unfolded. Uh, rhetoric is the science of persuasion. So persuasion is part art and part science. I really loved the theory part of it and studied a lot about Aristotle and his his he's the father of persuasion. Um, I also did some work in global advertising in strategy and um, account management, which was great. Did that in Chicago, where I'm from. Did some work in public relations in DC in the healthcare sector. And then, you know, I guess the funny part about On Point is I never meant to start it. I really didn't. It was completely an accident and was the result of a conversation with someone locally here in Colorado uh, who does presentation skills coaching. And at the time I was looking for a part-time job because my kids had gone off to all day school and I was hitting all these dead ends of jobs. Nobody would hire me. They're like, why are you here? You have a master's degree. Get out of here. So anyway, I met with this woman and um, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, you can do presentation skills, coaching and get paid for it. Like, where do I sign? And so, <laughs> right. I mean, that's the, that's the start. That was the start of my journey. That was the the spark or the, the light bulb moment for me. And I now work with leaders of all levels, all the way up to the C level and large teams, uh, individuals, and I help them acquire uh, incredible presentation skills so they can come out swinging with their messaging so that it lands with whoever the audience is, investors, partnership potentials, um, conference work, you know, conference audiences, um, and so I guess in terms of zones of brilliance, I try to help them see that public speaking and personal brand uh, is a skill. It is not just something people have, um, but you can kind of climb toward that as a zone of brilliance for yourself if you have the interest in doing that. Don't you, you know, just listening to that, we, we know that people have like, that's one of the hugest fears, like this death in public speaking, right? It is. Mm -hmm. And and yet the power of being able to communicate, the power to to be able to bring a message, a thought, an idea, whatever it is. Like I imagine, I imagine you coaching people like for a Shark Tank presentation. Like that's mm -hmm. what kind of comes to mind. Like sure. you've got two minutes in front of a high stress environment, right? Yeah. And and you need to kill it. 
And yep. here's, here's what, so, so why, why have you found that, what, what are some of the reasons why people either aren't fully prepared to do it, or is it because they tell themselves they can't, or I'm not a public speaker? Like what's some of the obstacles actually that you run into with your clients? That's a great question. And I have a whole slide on it. So I'll just rattle it off in my brain that uh, is reminding me of, um, well, one thing you said earlier that I just want to touch on is, you know, a few years ago, I took this, I took an online course about how to build an online course. And I did some pre-work and uh, there were some questions asked of me, like, you know, Cindy, what do you want to do in the world with your work? And I'm not kidding. I wrote down, like, I want to remove fear of public speaking from the number one slot of fears. And yes, ridiculously lofty, but it's really something I'm trying to like etch away from people is I love lofty goals, by the way, like that's, that's what makes (laughs) the world, you know, I don't know where that list exists, you know, and if I can like erase something on it to replace it with something else, I don't think it really does exist. Although there's probably studies, but I really think it's in the minds of everyone, no matter what. And so that's one of the biggest hurdles that I meet with uh, every single time I, I coach someone. It's just that there's that fear and anxiety typically. So why are they afraid? Great question. They're afraid because they, um, they have low self-esteem related to public speaking. They think they're bad. They don't think they can do it well. They think you either have it or you don't have it. And that's one of the big barriers that I move for people once they have worked with me. The other thing they don't like is um, they don't, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to organize a great looking slide deck, uh, where to say what, how to, how do I amass Uh, you know, I have this massive information and I'm supposed to talk about it in five minutes or 10 minutes, impossible, right? So they know too much and they are too close to the message. The the other third reason is uh, time. They They are not able to, in their minds, put away the time and energy required to do those two things. So, you know, for presentation skills, step one is always content. We have to get the content organized and nailed down before we can rehearse it. What's the point of rehearsing it if you're going to mess it all up again, right? And then the second, you know, is, is rehearsing and getting the message really solid so that, you know, when, when you have an audience member watching you, they're not seeing the wheels turning in your head. Like, what do I say next? And what's my next slide? So a lot of skills-based problems and a lot of personal, um, you know, barriers of confidence would be the, I'd boil that into those two buckets. Yeah, no, that is, you dropped some real wisdom right there. And (laughs) I, I mean, so, so now the question that I come to, like as a coach, um, mm-hmm. and honestly, I don't think that there's, I think there's very few people that probably are truly like just naturally gifted at this and, and don't have the butterflies or things like that. I mean, this is something that I've done enough of that mm-hmm. I've worked through some of the, the things that I do poorly but I know mm-hmm. I still make mistakes. There's certain ways I, I would watch videos of myself doing a presentation and mm-hmm. out of nervousness, what am I doing with my feet? Well, well, you know, <laughs> right. am yes. I, am I, am I jingling the keys in my pocket because I'm nervous? You know, there's yes. just these little nuances that we yes. do that, that distract Yeah. or it, it's the, it's the fill words. Like I got called out. I was doing a, um, oh my gosh. I was just in a small room and we were practicing doing what we call a core story. And this was at a speaker boot camp hosted by Joe. Cool. Peach. 
Oh my gosh. I was, I spent six hours working on a 10, 10 minute presentation because I wanted to really do everything you just were saying. Nail it. You wanted to nail it. Right. But we weren't really being evaluated. Like it was more about the content and what we Mm -hmm. were trying to say and communicate less than like our polished presentation skills. But Joe called me out on something that was so helpful. He said, you said the word now about 12 times because that was my transition word now. And it was so valuable to hear that. (laughs) Yes. I told him, I said, guys, I am so nervous. Like, can you hear my heart? Cause I think it's about ready to jump out of my chest. And it was a room of people that were doing the same thing as me, Oh yeah. but I knew that I was going to be evaluated. Therefore, mm-hmm. like the pressure was high. And I, listen, Cindy, I was, I was really terrified and, totally. and I got very good marks for, you know, great content, sure. the better ones we've seen kind of thing Yep. going into that. The thing that, that I wanted to bring it back to is what is it that you do to help people? Like what kind of programs and like, just maybe talk about some of the programs that you do to help people really prepare. What's your method? Um, well, the first thing that I always do, which probably sounds, um, super basic, but I just do a discovery call with, with the person and I I have them fill out a little online survey that, it's called reflect expect. And it means I want you to reflect on yourself and your skills and your journey in public speaking to this point, because if we don't sit and think back to, you know, the guy that threw, um, terrible words at us in high school that scarred us. And we don't know that's there. Mm, It does happen. You know, you got to know about that, what you're coming in with. And then the expect part of that is, you know, what are your expectations of working with me and what goals do you have? You know, and so it forces them to reflect on their current state and then write down expectations for our work. And it helps me incredibly to know where they're coming from and and how I can help them achieve those goals. Um, So what I do, my, you know, my, my MO is usually if we're doing kind of like a full prop process. The first thing I teach is a little bit about rhetoric and what it is. So we have some, we do some learning first, we do some rhetoric 101. And I teach them pretty in depth about Aristotle and his three point triangle Mm -hmm. of ethos, pathos, logos, and where they fit in that triangle and why they need that triangle and how Mm -hmm. to apply and utilize that triangle. And that is a that's a winner. I mean, I can't tell you how many people are just in love with the theory behind this and how it seems to anchor their work with me and just in the future. So that's step one. Most of my clients need a structure for a slide deck. And so I teach them a model that I myself created called perfecting your pitch. That is the five point story arc um, Mm -hmm. is my model for that. And I have created a how to arrive at this perfect pitch. Um, and it's, it's laid on top of, if you will, that rhetorical triangle. So there's a lot of foundation and, uh, bedrock in my programs that are anchoring it. And I, and they're just, you know, these are theories that are thousands of years old and they still work and they still apply. Um, and then, so we, we get going on making the slide deck or editing the one that they have almost always, we are really core going into story. Most people don't have a story. They don't think they have a story. They don't know if they need a story. What kind of story? How do I tell this story? Who should be part of this? You know, so we do tons of storytelling and I love, I just love pulling story out of people. Um, and I, 
there's a lot of different types. Um, and then we go to rehearsing. Once the deck is solid, you know, I have a whole slide savvy webinar where I teach people the seven secrets to slide savvy. Because the thing is, James, if you love your slide deck, like love it. If you love how it looks and love what it says, you are going to want to present it to everyone. And yeah, you are going to be true. like, look at my slides. They are beautiful. And you are excited to share. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with people who have crummy looking decks and they're, it's like it deflates them. So it's really worthwhile to spend the time and maybe a little extra money on a beautiful deck that you want to show to the world. It's like a kid, you know, look at my baby. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, a lot of times we, we really need to work on the rehearsal. So for you, what you just told me that story of your time, I kind of want to push back on your teacher only a little, because I don't think, you know, you can work one without the other and expect great results. Like, I think it's really important that you did all that work on content. And I'm not suggesting, you know, mm -hmm. that that was a bad thing, but yeah, the content also is the delivery of the message, because if you don't have that really committed to memory, um, you you don't get to that I nailed it feeling. And so um, I make people draw boundary lines. You know, hey, you need to stop working on that deck by 11 o'clock tonight. Um, and then you need to, or actually I was working with a woman last week and I was like, what is your plan? Because you have this talk tomorrow mm. and you know, you're still noodling the deck. You have got to stop noodling the deck by a certain time. So we set up a plan, you know, you can't noodle the deck after six. I don't care if you're going to make changes, do them in the morning, start rehearsing out loud. Yeah. You know, I can, I've been there, right? I, I think a lot of people. <laughs> Me too. I mean, yeah. I get nervous too. Yeah. I mean, well, totally. You know, and, and you, you're up at 11. I mean, I've been up past midnight tweaking these things before, oh, especially yeah. when I was, was newer at it. And I was less, I was either trying to do something that I hadn't done before. So it was untested and, mm -hmm. and I'm doing it in isolation. I'm, I'm not hiring Cindy or I'm not even sharing yeah. it with trusted colleagues, you know, right. my inner circle to say, Hey, is this good? Or is this a miss? Like missing all of those things. And so then it, it's like one o'clock at night. Now I'm like, okay, now you're tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. tired. And, and then for me, it's, it's tough to sleep. Right. And so now yeah, I'm up early because listen, if I, if I wake up about five, I want to go through this a couple more times. And then there's the temptation to change the deck again, again, and, and again. And you're like, Oh, I'll be fine. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just wing it when you get to the verbal. Right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to say one thing that I think will really help your listeners. Um, and I think this is, you know, in a safe space, like you were in with that group, that class, this helps tremendously so that people are not so nervous about rehearsing. Um, give your people in the room that you're rehearsing to give them a job. Tell them uh, this will lower your anxiety. This will help you be, and it requires some vulnerability, a little bit of courage maybe, but examples I give are like, you know, Hey, Sarah, I'm trying to reduce my fillers. Would you please tally them while I'm talking? Hey, oh, Joe, sure. I am working on a story. I reworked the front end. Can you time just the story part for me and tell me if it lands? And Susan, this slide 12, it's really complex. I'm trying to get it really good. Tell me if I'm on it for too long. Everybody good? I'm going to start. And then you know they're working for you and your nervousness just goes away. 
Cindy, that's, that is gold. I love that because then, because I think a lot of times, you know, when people don't, they're looking at the whole thing. And so they're maybe because they're looking at the whole thing, they give you sort of generalized feedback. Now they're giving you something very specific that you either could tweak or modify or just keep because it's really good. Right. Yeah. And like, you're actually teaching them to be a good analyst and a good critic because they are looking at your, now they're like, they're sitting up straight. They're going to stop looking at their phone because you gave them a job to do and Mm -hmm. you're helping them see what you're trying to improve. And they're probably going to be motivated in their own work to do the same. Um, You know, we can all be better presenters without ever stepping foot on a stage and practicing just by watching other people present and taking that analyst eye toward what they're doing. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Well, I'd like to shift a little yeah. here. Yeah. And I, there was something that that you introduced to me uh, and you broke it down really mm-hmm. well. And it was talking about like this zone of brilliance. And mm-hmm. there was four, I don't know, do you call them pillars or, or elements, attributes? Yeah, of it? levels, pillars. Levels, sure, um, yeah. Sure, because they do kind of go from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's here's the thing is is I'm just gonna mention them and then I okay. want you to like kind of lead us through that. Like like to have a little sure. discussion around it. Like so, you said it was started with incompetence, and then competence, and then excellence, and then finally brilliance. And yeah. wow, like that's just it's so eye opening to see even just that progression. But I want to ask you a question before you get into it: mm-hmm. Is how awesome is it for you? when you get a chance to help somebody step into that zone of brilliance, like, what is it, what is it like? What, what's your experience? Um, I just had one last week that made me just so thrilled. I, um, it, it, I feel like I walk on cloud nine right alongside my clients after yeah. they write me and they say, Oh my gosh, Cindy, I nailed it. I, what I, whatever, I got the funding. I got more leads. I got, um, invitations to new events. And that's what happened last week. So I'd worked with this woman, super smart, beautiful, brilliant woman in the medical, uh, tech field. Anyway, I won't go too much, but you know, she needed help with her story. She was doing this hour long keynote at the end of a virtual conference, not a, not an easy thing. Um, and she, um, she struggled a lot with her story and we nailed it down and we got it all fixed up. And she wrote me an email afterwards. Cause I'm always like, all right, we're done with the coaching. My ask is you got to send me a one-liner. You got to just tell me how it went. You know, that's my only request. And they usually do. And she wrote me back. She forwarded me an email from someone who organized the whole event and just was gushing about how awesome her presentation was. And then invited her to two more national profile talks and like just completely advanced her. And I was so excited (laughs) and she was so grateful for the work that we did. And that's just exactly what I'd aim for. So it feels amazing is the, is the answer to your question. When I can help someone else nail it. um, That's why I do this. It's like, it's like, um, it's an addiction for me. Well, I, I, I think that's, I mean, obviously you're in your zone of brilliance when you're doing that. And this is the right. thing, like, I, I know when we, you know, met, uh, and talked a couple of times before agreeing to do this podcast, it was, um, just this sort of like this calling almost like, this is what mm-hmm. I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. And mm-hmm. I love the story. Just, I didn't really touch on it a whole lot, but when you were telling your story at the beginning of like, this kind of happened by accident, like, 
I, I guess I'm one of those people like, I don't know how about accidents, how much that actually well, happens, right? right? Coincidence, <laughs> right. like maybe this was just a meant to be thing, but, it, yeah. but, uh, um, Joke's so go ahead. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. So if you would walk, walk us through, take me back yeah. to, um, this zone of brilliance model. Yeah. And I think the easiest way is to apply it to myself and help people understand my zones of incompetence and such. So, uh, the zone of incompetence, is, and I want to give credit where credit is due. This is something I learned in a leadership uh, three-day course from Crafted Leadership is the name of a, the, the group that uh, where I learned about this. And I've started to apply it to my clients and myself as well. So the zone of incompetence is, you know, what kind of work do you do throughout your day that you really dislike, that is hard for you to do, that does not light you up? And for me, that's like, keeping a checkbook or creating, um, you know, or analyzing, uh, or creating financial documents or, you know, stuff I'm not good at doing. And I would rather farm that out to other people. So that's the zone of incompetence. Zone of competence is the, the tasks that you do that you can do, but that most people can do a lot better than you. And so, for me, I would say that's, um, you know, maybe like sewing, like I can sew a little bit to get by when my kids have uh, a hole in their jeans or sock or a button is loose, but I definitely am in the lower 10%. If that, <laughs> you know, that's not my area, but I can do it if I need to do it. The zone of excellence is the next rung up. And that's a zone where, you know, you're really good at that stuff. Um, and you do it better than most people, but there's also stuff you'd rather do for longer. Okay. So, you know, for me, um, you know, I don't know if, um, like, I do a lot of work with, um, you know, branding and public relations for my clients. And that is a zone of excellence for me. Like I'm really good at those pieces. Um, but I'd say my zone of brilliance is the messaging coaching for stage and for groups and for oratory. Like if I had to pick, um, how that all operates for me personally. Um, so hope, and so your zone of brilliance is where you live when time just disappears and you could sit Ooh. there and do it forever. And so, you know, for me, when I'm chewing on a script for someone or going through their deck or thinking up stories and I look at the clock and I'm like, shoot, I've got to go grab my kids or I've got to go do this thing, but I would rather stay here because I'm really chugging along. You know, I think people listening probably know what that is for them. Mm -hmm. It might be singing. It might be water skiing. It might be, um, you know, podcasting. I mean, there's just so many, and you can have more than one zone of brilliance, you know, you can. So for me, you know, I don't expect to, to get my clients to the zone of brilliance with public speaking. I don't know if that's their calling. I mean, if they mm -hmm. do and can, that's great, but I do want to get them to the zone of excellence. I want mm -hmm. to get them to a place where they can do this with excellence. I love everything that you defined <laughs> about those things like this. I seriously, this, this is just really cool to me because I couldn't stop thinking how empowering and freedom giving, life giving mm -hmm. it must be to understand that sometimes we do things out of necessity 
mm-hmm. that we struggle with, especially in the business world. You know, I run into this all the time working with executives, business owners, managers, right? They're doing things that they're not, uh, they, they don't have special talents and gifts for. So, but it's a requirement of them and, and mm-hmm. learning how to manage that versus the time. Like when you talk about being in the zone of, of brilliance, like where time passes, like that's something that I like to talk with my clients when we're putting them say, like I'll do in-depth training on strength finder with people. Mm-hmm. So when you are in your top five zones of strength, your, your mm-hmm. talents. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you actually have developed them into a strength and not just an underdeveloped talent. Mm-hmm. Time passes quickly. Like you mm-hmm. are, you're magnificent at that point. Yeah. And when you tap into that, it feels really good. You know, like in the sports world, whether yeah. you're golfing or playing, say basketball, or you're trying to get a ball into a hole, like th- when when you see a player in a zone like that, that's, and if you've ever done sports and you oh, can yeah. relate to that, it's like, it's incredible, isn't it? Oh yeah. Like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, you know, these are players that are like, they are just in their zone. And so, you know, the zone, um, unfortunately in, in, in a lot of corporate settings, the, the folks that are doing their typical responsibilities and roles only really get to sit in that zone for like 20% of the time versus the 80% of stuff they're doing that's elsewhere. So our goal is to try to increase the percentage of time that we can spend in that zone of brilliance by asking ourselves where we belong. Like a lot of people change careers knowing these four zones because <laughs> they're like, where am oh, yeah. I? Like, am I in my zone at my current situation. Um, where, how can I get more into my zone? You know, we all had to write a percentage we wanted to, um, reach for in that leadership conference I was talking about. And I had mm-hmm. like one woman was like, I want to get to 70 to 80%. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. You know, to say you want to be in that zone for that much time that you're working. And well, the other word that comes to mind then is like, it gives you permission, right? That's the empowerment mm-hmm. part. It's like, it's like somebody finally has uncorked the bottle and right. now I have permission to be this person. This is how I was designed. These are the gifts that I've been given. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's bring them into the world. Like that to me is, I, I absolutely get excited when we're talking about when, when I can help somebody or somebody else has figured out how to bring their gifts into the world, because that's what we yeah. need to do. Well, when you think about if you if there's people listening who are job searching, you want to be looking out there for jobs that allow you to tap that zone of brilliance as much as possible. If you, you know, think about how much productivity and efficiency could come from workers and employees who are more and more in their zone of brilliance for your company. Don't you want your people in their zones of brilliance for your company? Like that's the whole idea, right? right? They're happier. Oh, yeah your bottom line grows. There's so much value besides that emotional joy. There's financial value to working in your zone of brilliance and having your staff do it too. Amen. Well, super well said. And and yet, like I shared a quote with you before we hit record today, and it's one that I've seen a couple of times and maybe people have heard me say it a few times, but I think it's attributed to Ben Franklin that says, some men die at 25 but they're not buried until they're 75. And that's the words from the quote, but like people, we, we have, whether you're male, female, whatever it is, if you are doing something and, and you kind of tap out like you, or you've capped yourself and you've, 
you feel like this is the furthest that I can go. It's basically like saying, I give up. I can't go any further. Mm -hmm. This is all I'll ever be. And, and it's like, that's the death part. Right. And and then the end of life actually happens, say 50 years later. And it's a, it's a life that is really unfulfilled. And Mm -hmm. can I just tell you that terrifies me? Yeah, it should. I think that for generations, people like my grandfather, I don't know what his zone of brilliance would have been. I think he, you know, like so many people had to back in those, I'm thinking back to war years and, you know, and beyond where you had to take jobs that fed your family and you didn't have as many choices as we do now. And with the explosiveness of what the internet has provided for opportunity, it's just an entirely new world of opportunity of, of opportunity. And we have those choices, which I don't think that many generations prior had in the same way. And so it's almost a charge for people that they need to try to go find that zone. And that requires incredible awareness. Like if you don't know what your zone of brilliance is and you're listening to this, you know, what is your zone? Well, you don't want to, you kind of want to float outside of yourself for a while, for a month or so, and determine how you how you feel when you're doing certain things. And if you're not getting that feeling quite enough, you know, maybe find, uh, find other ways to get that feeling more and then identify it. Uh, So great. I love that because I I think what, what I hear there is uh, sometimes you just got to say yes. Right. And just try Mm -hmm. some stuff and not worry about, because, you know, here's the thing is um, a baby doesn't know how to walk at first. Right. But they're not discouraged. They continue right. to learn. So they're, right. so they experience incompetence and then they get to yes. competence and then excellence. And then hopefully, hopefully, right. Great we example. get the brilliance. Around I love it. It. <laughs> but you know, so many times I think there are, um, we just hold ourselves back because we're afraid to take that step. We're afraid to try because we may be vulnerable. We might get embarrassed. We might fail. And, and that's, that's the part then again, where if you do that enough times, you start to not do it. Now, a question that I, I just kind of wanted to throw your way and yeah. maybe both of us can answer this is what are, what's one or two tips? How do you help? How do you help your clients or what are one or two ways that you can help people figure out that zone of brilliance? Is yeah. that, and is that part of what you do actually? Mm. Yes and yes and no. Um, the while you were talking, I was already thinking about uh, something that came to mind that that happens to be an answer to your question. But if you could, so if you don't know your zone of brilliance and you want to figure it out, start listening to the feedback that you are getting from people around you. And so one of the things I noticed early on was people. I would tell people what they needed to do to their slides um, that work was completely automatic and seemed completely like they should know this. Like you should know that you shouldn't have 59 words on the slide yeah, at a yeah. 15 point type setting, but I'm going to tell you anyway, and I'm going to explain to you why, and I'm going to walk you through your audience's perspective on that slide when it's too busy and what's happening in their minds and why they don't like you when you do that, because you, you know, and they're like, Oh, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, really? Like people don't know this. So if you have that feeling of people don't know this and people on the other side are like, wow, that's amazing. That's your zone of brilliance, my friends. Okay. (laughs) Like when you are explaining things that you think are intuitive to someone else, Mm-hmm. That is your zone. My daughter is doing this to me right now. We are redoing uh, one of the main levels of our house. She's interested in design and interior design. 
she bought something, showed it to me, put it up. And she's like, see, mom, see how it ties together the fireplace and the vases and also the black in the actual fireplace casing. And I was like, no, I did not even notice that it was black on the bottom. Also, that makes total sense to me now. And she's like, yeah, like, duh, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's because her brain works that way. Mine does not. And so I appreciate her zone of brilliance and in her world, which is not mine. So own it. So I'd say, listen to people around you and listen to their feedback about what you're doing. And if you start hearing things like that, pay attention. And then, um, yeah. What else did you ask me, James? And do you have an idea too? Well, I mean, just, just helping people discover that zone of brilliance. So what, what I do also is, um, First of all, I think the feedback thing, you getting it ahead of time. Like so many people think about feedback just because I train on this extensively. So many people think that feedback has to be reactive after the performance, except we can do it ahead of the performance by doing exactly what you're teaching and asking for those specific things. What was my timing on this Mm -hmm. part? How many times did I say this? Was I fidgeting with the keys in my pocket? What were my hands and my feet doing when I, you know, Mm -hmm. I was trying to to demonstrate something? And so, so I think if you have to, if you really are committed to excellence, you have to make time for that. That has to be a priority because it is when anytime you're on stage and you like I'm preaching to the choir right now with you, Cindy. I know you know this, but when you anytime that you're on stage you have a responsibility to not suck. And I'm sorry, I'm just putting it very blunt. So true. Oh, no, you're completely right. Yeah. Um, No, that's (laughs) that's a super valid point. Absolutely. People are counting on you and they're they're looking at you for expertise. They're looking at you to motivate or inspire, whatever it is. And so you just can't afford to not do those things. Now, the only other thing that I think that I would like to add to that is, is when you don't know what makes you great. Like, so I think you're a collection of your talents. So if you want to know what those are, use an assessment like StrengthsFinder. Go to StrengthsFinder.com yeah. and do that. And yeah. then, and then maybe like, you know, this is a little plug for what I do, but like sit down with a coach who can really help you see yeah. not just what's what makes you brilliant, but the potential blind spots around that. You have to open up yourself to other people. And in three areas that's happened to me, you know, mm-hmm. I also need outside perspective, but you know, I didn't come up with my logo. I didn't come up with the name for my business. I didn't come up with the tagline. My husband did, you know, he knows me pretty well. And he was riffing with me on ideas for things. And he just dropped those in the, in my lap at the kitchen table one day. And I was like, those are perfect on yeah. point master the message boom, you know, also, um, you know, you just want to be aware if you're a manager out there and you're selecting someone to do a certain job or task, like you said, that, that feedback beforehand is so valid and important to say, you know, James, you're really good at that analytical part of X, Y, Z. So I'd like for you to take this part of the project, because I just know you're going to get it to the finish line. I've noticed this about you. That's a great way to give feedback, right? I've noticed oh, it's that a you great really... way to recognize and appreciate somebody. It's yeah. Huge. It's just, um, I don't think we do it enough, you know, mm. and if you see someone doing something great, tell them and, um, and compliment them. Um, I'll never, I've, I was like giving a workshop several years ago and I've never had anybody do this, but the guy raised his hand and he's like, 
it was probably like an hour long presentation that I've given a lot. He was like, Cindy, I noticed you didn't have any fillers at all. (laughs) How did you do that? (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that, but thank you. And I'd say rehearsal and, you know, I just gave some answer, but I just was, I just appreciated him for even bringing that to the table. I thought it was because I didn't notice that I would never notice that, but I just was, um, it's always nice when other people call out your strengths and your zones of brilliance. Yeah. It's quite a compliment. Well, this has been like, this has just been really eye opening for me. And I I know that this is going to be beneficial to our, to the listeners here, but here's here's what I like from you is tell us how to get in contact with you. Let us know about what, what, um, do you have any upcoming events or programs that you're leading? And so what's the best way for people to contact you and, Mm -hmm. and so you could help them prep for their next, uh, presentation. Um, thanks for the opportunity to do that, James. I'm super active at LinkedIn. And so I would recommend if anyone want anyone listening to this, in fact, I would love it if you would just say, I heard you on James's podcast. That would make it fun for me to know yeah. that this hit you. But look, look up my name uh, at LinkedIn and send me a connection request. I send, I do tips there on a near daily basis and tell stories and, and share ideas. Other ways to get a hold of me, you know, I'll I'll rattle off my uh, my email address in a second, but I do a little uh, a little product that helps people dip their toe in to coaching with me if they want to. And it's called a revolving door rehearsal session. And it's revolving door because my promise is that you will get in, get out, get better guaranteed at this one message that you might be working on right now. So that's a 45 minute zoom session with me. I record the whole thing. So you can watch it back, watch my feedback back. You get three pluses, three minuses, and three specific things to do to your deck or your script by the time we end the call. And so you know, it's a low price, it's a low entry point. Um, and it's $180 to come in. It's a 180 for 180. And you can email me about that. If you'd like the, uh, the registration it's info at on point hyphen communications.com. Well, that is fantastic. That, that sounds like a really cool offer. Um, it's fun. I, it's really helpful. I mean, even if you never see me again, you've got those three, you know, you've got something of yeah. real value. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Cindy, I'll have those links. We'll, we'll get those into the, uh, the show notes. So people Great. can, you know, if they're driving or whatever, brushing their teeth right now, yes. want to get a chance to click on that later, they can do that. So uh, yeah, thank absolutely. you. I have, I have a lifelong connection. I hope with you. I am so happy yes. that we did meet and me too. Um, just absolutely love the conversation today. Thank you so much for Thank being Thank you, James. On. I really appreciate the time uh, to get to your podcast and share this. And thank you listeners for listening. I hope to be in touch with all of you uh, in the near future. Just to even be connected would be great to learn more about what all of you do and where you are in your messaging lives. Thank you, James. You bet. Absolutely. Thank you, Cindy. 